Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. again and he's got it Gavin was closing in oh Gavin has scored Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three hello and welcome to it's all cobblers to me the podcast that provides the fans point of view on all things Northampton Town Football Club I'm Charles Commons and I'm here with Danny Brothers and Neil Edgerton it's been a busy time for the old cobblers of late what with the announcement of the fans advisory board the Wigan game and of course a new signing but we'll start with the one all draw with Wigan um well first of all hello boys you okay hi wonderful yeah tremendous wonderful all the better to have sat below you and beneath you and then next to you on Saturday well, we were going to talk about this move that you made at halftime, Danny, because quite oh, clearly... Yeah. You're, you're blaming it on me, fault. aren't you? That's what... Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's all my a lot to answer for, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> we were all three of us at the game on, on Saturday, all of us in attendance. Uh, none of us going on the pitch this time, that you'll be glad to know. Certainly none of us going and Not yet. trying to win £160, Neil. You'll be up um, there soon, Charles. Don't worry. You'll be there. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's going to spend £160 getting you on the pitch. He's going to drive. <laughs> Is he going to buy me a mascot package? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> you can go in in your full kit. Me there in full kit. Shin pass. <laughs> Walking out holding Sam Hoskins' hand. Me taller than him. <laughs> I'd like to think, though, instead of boots, you'd have on like a pair of suit shoes. Loafers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my word. Uh, anyway, we were all there at the game on Saturday uh, in our usual seats. Well, Danny and I were in our usual seats. Danny sits. Basically, a seat, the row below me and one to the left of me. Um, yes. and uh, Always a dangerous place to be, I've got to say. Very for you. Absolutely. You know. For me, yes. You, you do tend to jump up with um, yeah. 
great excitement. Enthusiasm, especially when Tyree Simpson gets the ball. I'm up. <laughs> you, oh, you tend to start getting up once you can see Tyrese potentially might get the ball. Coming before out the, the pass has even yeah. been made. I assume, by the way, we've got a special section on, on Tyrese's little flick over the defender's head. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, will dissect oh. that for a good 25 minutes. Oh, the, the mailbag is bulging and it's just my letters on that <laughs> in various different guises. What a moment. Oh, oh it was beautiful, it keep, wasn't it? It's a gift it that keeps was. on giving, isn't it? really is. Anyway, we should, we should get back on track somehow. I'm not sure we ever were on track to begin with today, Cafe but track. here we go. Um, Cafe track. Indeed. Sabi, Odomeo, Hilton, all injured adding to the list. And Max Thompson went back to Newcastle before this game. Um, but Lee Burge, or Lee Burge, uh, and Sam Hoskins Lee back Burge. in the starting 11. Um, I suppose really very quickly before we get on to the game, Max Thompson going back to Newcastle. Sorry to see him go, Danny. Yeah, I think so. It's it's one of them things. That it was a little it was bit just too long to... of a pause there, Danny. Are you sure? I was just thinking how I felt, and I feel not too good about it, to be honest. I think it's because Burge is back. It, it softens the blow a bit. It it feels like what John Brady said himself, didn't he, that, that he was no one wasn't really ever planning to play him that much. <laughs> he just ended up playing 15, 16 games. Mm. Got to remember, he was one of the heroes of the Peterborough win as well, yeah, yeah. after his slightly off start to the game. But clean sheet against that lot, it's not something that a lot of goalkeepers have got against them. So um, starting off his career and being thrown into the bare pit of that atmosphere must have been hard. And I think he grew and grew and he, he was just reaching a point where he was becoming close to pushing Burge for the first spot, even when both of them were fit. So disappointed to see him go because you always want the competition between keepers, don't you? And I, I don't think he'll be anywhere near the Newcastle first team. I might be wrong, but um, it's a shame really. And yeah. I, I did see on Saturday little Johnny Max did outside Sixfields as well with a backpack, <laughs> and a, a backpack and a compass, and uh, he had a little bit of hope about his face. So you never know. Are you sure he just wasn't lost on an orienteering expedition? It, possibly. Could well have been. <laughs> yeah, get, get yeah. him back in. He's off out no, geocaching. I I didn't realise he's <laughs> catching Pokemon. I didn't realise that um, a Dadgy could still play for us but apparently it's a it's a rule if you're only on work experience that you can come and not do your work and come back to you well, play well, and be on the bench for us this is it right i don't i don't understand it because surely i mean he for all intents and purposes he's out on loan but just at yeah. a very low low level which i presume therefore means it's not quite within the rules of the the whole loan market and loan system and everything but surely the club that he's gone to, which I might be wrong, I think it's Wellingborough. Um, surely they play most of their games on a Saturday at three o'clock or a Tuesday at seven forty-five, just like the Cobblers do. So, what's he actually gaining from being on work experience if he's going to be just sat on our bench? Good question. You're asking the wrong people, Charles. I'd, absolutely, <laughs> I, I completely we don't appreciate um, that. Not a clue. <laughs> yeah, when you're on work, when you're on work experience, you get your teacher visit like halfway through, don't you? See how it's going. Do you think That's John true. Brady goes in? Do Brady goes down and fills in a few forms with him? A little appraisal, signs the timesheet. Well, a bit of appraisal, yeah. Yeah, signs the timesheet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, no, that's that's good. That that softens the blow a little bit that Dadgy's able to play. So I did worry that 
Danny Rose might have to be drafted back in as a subkeeper <laughs> or something. But, oh dear. Um, no, no one wants Please that. Please don't worry about that. Please don't worry about that. Um, I think I think we're talking a lot about this because the game itself. I don't know. It felt like to me, at least, it almost felt like two good, well, fairly decent sides cancelling each other out. I don't know whether you two felt the same way about it. Um, I enjoyed it. First I half, it was a good game. Well, yes, I'm not. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, and I know that you did. But um, it, it there was a there was a lot of Wigan having the ball and trying to do stuff with it, and then us breaking it down and launching counter attacks. And essentially, that was the pattern for the whole of the first half. And yeah, I, I think the enjoyment came from the the sort of the risk element of the game because Wigan have some fast, pacey players, don't they? And they they fizz the ball around very, very well. Moving every you know, moving themselves into good positions and, and and getting them, you know, high up the pitch quickly. Something that Keith very, still loved to do at all. Of yeah, they're very, very fluid. fluid. They are fluid, that's a good word. Yeah. yeah. Josh McGuinness was very often too fast. I have to say, the amount of times he, he was offside, he was, he, was quite he impressive. Had pitched a tent, didn't he? <laughs> offside, yeah, and was camped yeah. offside. Yeah. He was honestly, he was having such a terrible game. He was offside pretty much every time they got the ball, and then he got—I think he got a yellow card, didn't he? Uh, he got booked. Yeah, he did, yeah. Why. Um, for an elbow, I think. An elbow with the it. arm. Yeah, and he just—he just looked like a guy coming towards the end of his career, a big old donkey, and then he goes to score. <laughs> That's not typical. Yeah. Yeah. Dodgy Tash as well. I don't know whether yeah. you thought that, but yeah, Dodgy Tash. Dodgy, dodgy Tash. That you just said. I think um, I met her on Wellingborough Road once. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous. I thought, Marvelous. I thought it was a good advert for League One football. I thought it was, it was a slight contrast in styles, but it wasn't like they were total football and we were, you know, like a Wimbledon of the early 90s, late 80s or anything. And we still played some good stuff, tried to play a game the right way. Uh, I thought it was a, a decent... I thought, I think you're right, Charles. I think it was a game between two two good teams. They're in a bit of a false position, aren't they, because of the mm. points deduction. Um, I thought, it was, yeah, it was a decent game. Yeah, it felt yeah. very much like the league positions would be... They would have been right behind us in 10th, wouldn't they, going into the game if they didn't have that deduction. So it did feel like a 9th v 10th game, like both teams having a go, but very different styles. I think the Wigan fans were quite complimentary afterwards as well, um, as we were for them. I think two really good sides. They're not going to be nowhere near relegation from from what we saw in that. And I thought that for the first 20 minutes, especially, I was really concerned because they were passing it about and they just, if they had an end product, they would have been two or three up because all of the work that they got to get to the point of the penalty hour was great. Um, it's just that finishing touch. They just need a central striker to put it away. And if they get that, then I think you know that'd be great. That'd be really good. Well, yeah, I agree. I we th- weren't we weren't firing anywhere near on all cylinders. Um, no, not to say that we were poor, but we weren't we weren't fantastic or anything. We were all right, and we were. But the difference being, in, you know, in the past we'd have would have lost that sort of game and capitulated a little bit, but not I'm not mm. sort of having a little bit of an off day, shall we say, and. The squad was stretched and stuff, and we still battled and deserved a point. Just about, I thought. I think, I, I think I said this to you, Danny, about twenty minutes in, maybe that 
it, it was just, yet again, the first game back after a little bit of a break, there was a bit of almost lethargy about about us. And almost as... I, I've always felt, over the whole period of time that John Brady's been our manager, is that momentum is probably the biggest positive or the biggest thing that helps us be successful. Because as soon as we have like a an unenforced... Well, unenforced? Un, uh, sorry, an enforced break. You know, when we should have been playing... So, like, last week, we should have had the the derby, but FA Cup took precedence instead, so therefore, there was no game for us. Um, so, we've therefore had, what was it, 14 days, 13, 14 days without a game. Wigan did play and obviously played on the Monday night, so if anything, had less time to prepare for the game, even if they played, you know, we had played on the Saturday then they'd have had less time to prepare. And you're sort of thinking, oh, maybe they'll be a bit jaded. Obviously, they got beat by Man United in the Cup as well. So although they weren't embarrassed or anything like that, I, I thought there might be a bit of tiredness in the legs because of that. Beat Man United's embarrassing at the moment, Charles. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, but there you go. Look, you can tag, you can, when you release the, gate, the, the show notes or whatever, on, you can use Man United. That's going to get a load of traffic, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, what's the man's name? Just what's the man's name? Just YouTube's. Goldbridge. Is it him? Is that that's him? Yeah, yeah. Tag him in it. Tag Tag him in. Get get Neil. Get Neil on his show. (laughs) (laughs) We could talk about Ron Robert Zeela. Yeah, get him in. What was his name? Zeela. Zeela. Yeah, yeah. Zeela. Zeela. Yeah. Get him in. But for us as well, it was Wigan. Wigan. The way Wigan played didn't help because they they played like I said really well. They were in their rhythm. They were in their groove. Obviously, again, it doesn't help that Jack Salby's out because as soon as he gets out, goes out, um, we've said it so many times this season, Salby out, Leonard has to go back. And it, yeah. it, it just diminishes what he is. He, he does really well. I feel like he's getting more used to that position and he gets stuck in a, a little bit more than he did last season. But it just it, when you take away a play like that from your attack, it's going to upset the rhythm a little bit. Yeah. So it might be that we need to look into that in January, just get a similar Sours. Get, I said to you, let's get, get a replacement crab in. Yes. Not, not to like directly replace him, but when Saub is out, get a similar player in like that because he is that position and what it does to Leonard is the most important part of the pitch to us mm. to have control of the game because when we lose control of the game, we inevitably lose or or draw. Just like we, we're not we're not at the races when we're not in control of it. Like Carlisle, prime example. We mm. we go go ahead. They come out second half, all guns blazing. We lose control of the game, and we we almost lose the game. Stevenage, we were never in the game because we were never in control of it at all. It's it's when we don't have that Sowerby figure in there that makes Leonard go back. It then pushes everyone else back, and it just loses the rhythm a little bit. That if we can get replacements or a, a equal to Sowerby oh, in the transfer yeah. window, I think that'd be really really helpful because it just it will allow Leonard to to thrive. We it would be good to just sit somebody else in there. I think. I've seen a couple of people sort of say that they they thought that Will Hondemark would would be that that player. I I mean, mm, not sure. I'm not so no, sure not, on not that. Sowerby I think he's type, more no. of further forward, isn't he? Than mm. than he's more box to box, I think. But then I kind of think to myself, w- would it be worth a go? Because surely you could sit Sean McWilliams in the Sowerby role. And then have Hondemark alongside him doing the Williams role, which would then allow Leonard to stay in his sort of number ten role. I mean, obviously, John Brady knows enough, but I think it'd be worth a go, wouldn't it? I think the Sowerby role is 
a, a large part of it is the football brain. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is essentially being able to anticipate and predict yeah. what's going to happen. Because he he doesn't necessarily fly into to tackles, does he, Sowerby? He, he really massively get forward a lot. I know he scored that wonder goal last season or whatever it was. <laughs> Chips in with a very odd goal here or there, but he generally, he just breaks up the play and he, and a part of that is just naturally being in the right position at the right time and no, it, like it's quite a hard yeah, thing. Right. It's quite a hard thing to teach. Yeah. Is in, you, you can't, I don't know, well, maybe you can, I don't know, but it's quite, it's just, he's very natural at it and he's just, a lot of defensive midfielders are, are like that. Do you remember, um, I mean, slightly above our level, but Claude McAlealy. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's me that makes a ridiculous comparison. I love No, I'm not comparing him to, I'm not saying he's as good as... <laughs> just, I just thought was, you were going to go for some championship player. No, 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 no. He was much more mobile. <laughs> but it's that sort of defend, defensive midfielder, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's what Kira Walsh does for Linus. Is it just sits yeah. there and she's, she doesn't necessarily get, get get stuck in. It's it's she's two two or three seconds before everyone else, and she'll get in there That's and it. breaks and up the play, play the ball the off, ball. And, and and lay it off. The yeah. simple things, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, I, I agree with that. I think that the problem that we're going to have. My point is, is, I don't think that Williams has the brain for it. Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> Not I, a slight I, I, and do you know what? I completely agree with you thinking about it. I, I think it's not the player, is he? No, it's not, it's not, it's not his, not it's his not, game. It's just not him. Yeah. Yeah. No. I do think, I do worry though. I do think to myself that finding another player like Jack Sowerby, especially in a January transfer window, is potentially expensive and therefore out of our reach at the moment. And Could although we? it would be, you know, I think it would be one of the things that would potentially actually elevate us, just having the ability to make sure that we've got that type of player every game. It would, I think, potentially stop you going and getting the other positions that maybe we're looking more at at the moment. Um, could it just be a, an older head that's coming to the end of his career? I know it's not our style, it's not John Brady's style, but could it just be that veteran who's fairly happy to sit on the bench, like the Ian Taylor type thing, who'll be reasonably happy coming and Alan sitting there? And Alan McCormack, yeah, yeah, that that kind of role. I don't who, think who Alan McCormack was happy a job. to sit on the bench, was he? I think he was. I don't think he ever did sit on the bench. He also, <laughs> he also, he also liked to tackle, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. It's just like maybe it's it's easier to get one of them on a short term deal, mm. just so we've got someone to sit there when Saub is injured or come on late in the game, and even think them maybe take Wazer off and sit someone else in there as the two. Possibly, I don't. I just don't know if it's John's style to go out and do that. It's, it's a very important yeah. position for our mm. our style and how we mm. want to play because it essentially it, it's our base almost, isn't it? Um, and that's where everything goes yeah. through, and that's where it stems from. Um, so it is hugely important. Yeah, Over to I, you, I agree, Brady, to find someone else other than Sam. <laughs> yeah, go find it's our job. Good luck. Um, a, a quick word for uh, for Kieran Bowie because he won the penalty, and I know that there was um, an element of good fortune in in the fact that essentially it was a Wigan player that passed the ball to him. But I thought again. The press worked really well at times. There were a couple of dodgy moments for Sam Tickle 
with Tyrese bearing <laughs> down on him um, early on in the game. And then the way that we win the penalty is obviously because Kizer again just shows his pace and, and his strength to keep the you know defender off of him to then go bearing down on the goalkeeper and wins the penalty. I, I thought, although I'd, I can't necessarily pick out many other things that he actually did during the game, that one obviously was a big, big important moment. And just a sign that he has, I think, improved immensely already this season. Because I think at the beginning of the season, there were question marks, not necessarily from us, but I think there were question marks amongst the fan base about whether he could make the step up to League League One. That Whereas he could bully defenders in League Two, he wasn't managing to do that this time around. Whereas now, I think he's found his feet. It's maybe just taken him that little bit of extra time. He's obviously had a great December where he scored, was it five and six games? Um, you know, and, and and to go and get that penalty, um, really, really good piece of play from him. Um, so, yeah, there you go. A yeah, word for Kieran he's really, Yeah, he's worked on his game a lot, hasn't he? And it's, it's his hunger and his desire will take him a long way. It's just some of the technical stuff was slightly missing last season until the second half of the season, maybe. But in the last year, he's gone from League 2 player to League 1 level player and he doesn't look out of place no. in a top half of the table, League 1 side. He's, and that's a lot down to just his working on his game and how what John Brady's got out of him again. Mm, definitely. Um, quick word for the second half. Um, Neil, I don't know how you felt about it, but Danny and I both said that it felt like from the moment that the second half kicked off, it was the kind of game that you normally get in the last 10 minutes of a match where both sides are basically going for it to try and either win the game or, as Wigan were, trying to get back into it and get a point. It was frantic. It was. It was frantic. Uh, they they came out for, up for it, didn't they? Shall we say? Mm. With a, a renewed energy, um, which we, we responded well to, I thought. Um yeah, it was quite frantic. I'm sure it was felt quite as desperate as the last few minutes of a game when everyone's knackered, because um, it didn't really necessarily spread out like that. That's usually due to tiredness and mm. stuff. But I think it was it was entertaining, wasn't it? Yeah, I, it definitely was entertaining. I just felt that it was. I, I sort of went, oh God, the the game was just very, very open. And I thought it was interesting hearing John Brady after the game say that he actually thought about changing the shape and going to the three at the back at half time rather than, because he, he, he basically did that, made that move after Wigan had equalised. And I don't know whether he was saying in his post-match that he was almost annoyed at himself for not doing it at half time or whether he was saying it was the right thing to do and okay they equalized but you know we we were holding them and keeping them at bay up until the point that they they scored the goal and I, you know having seen the goal it is quite intricate and the, the passing has just come off for them and i don't think it, it didn't happen like that at any other point for them during the game it's the one and only time that essentially They've had some good passing, some good pace um, in their play, and then also that little bit of luck, because essentially the the pass that is played to McGuinness to before for him to then score is, I don't know if you even call it a pass. It's it just seems to just be a bit of a, you know, a knock that's gone off the guy's boot harder than maybe he wanted to, and 
any other point in the game, McGuinness wouldn't have been there to actually tap the ball in and, and Lee Burge would have just fallen on it and that would have been danger over and done with. But the thing that really surprised me at that point was that the stadium just seemed silent. I mean, Wigan fans were cheering, obviously, but from a cobbler's perspective, normally when we concede a goal, there's a lot of groans, there's a lot, you know, there's a, a few people up and up in arms they are either trying to claim that there was a foul or a offside decision or something that hasn't gone our way and they're having to go all there or, you know, fans are blaming a player for, for having not marked somebody or picked someone up or something like that. Whereas it, it was just silence. And it was just like, oh, it was it was very pre-season in, in that respect of like, okay, they've scored. Just odd. It was the way the goal happened. It was a bit of like, oh. But it's a bit it was scrappy, wasn't it? It was a, a scrappy goal to concede. Mm. I think it was. Bit... I thought they worked it well. I don't think it was that massively scrappy in terms. Maybe the finish, but I think the way that yeah, they yeah, made it, over, I didn't think it was massively me. scrappy. Overriding you, overriding the, the, you. the oh. finish being scrappy, overriding my view of the, mm. the yeah. actual goal and the build-up play. Mm. I just, I just thought it was strange how you know there, there, there was no kind of massive reaction from from the cobblers fans didn't even seem to be like a groan of like oh no we've probably we've also a bit of reality that. maybe that yeah well, they probably deserve that to be fair yeah they did yeah i mean to be fair they mm. did didn't they and they like, kind of like all come away from the game thinking it was you know fair enough fair play yeah. <laughs> it's not like they haven't had a shot all game and they've suddenly gone and scored it's, yeah it, it almost felt inevitable in in that kind of sense right the fact that we're ninth probably plays into it as well and thinking you know there's not a lot of jeopardy on it at the minute that you know, there's still time to go and get a winner, um, but the fact that it's we're not in the if we're in the bottom four, it would have been like oh here we go again kind of thing. But yeah, you know we think we're in a position now where we can almost start to appreciate the fact that when the other team are coming and and playing and deserving an equaliser and whatever. But can yeah. we have a special mention for the Wigan fans and how quiet they were overall? I was surprised that they weren't as you know they they hadn't filled out the whole of the uh, the away end. Um, and they'd not taken the, you know, the, the little corner of the East stand either. I was expecting more from Wigan. They were, they were so, so quiet. I expected them to be, not not raucous, but get, how many did they have? About six, 650, 700? Yeah. Expect. Yeah, 622, I think was the official. A bit of noise, you know, but, Nothing. A bit nice. Strange. Very strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we have a break, I, I wanted to ask uh, Neil whether there was any noticeable movement in the East Stand at all during during the <laughs> game, because Danny and I kept hearing what sounded like a pneumatic drill throughout <laughs> the game. <laughs> I heard it too. It's happening more and more, isn't it? I don't know what it is. It's, yeah, it's, to do with it's got to be a speaker or something, or something hasn't it? Is it, yeah. is it maybe Griff the Griffin was buried under the East End? He's now <laughs> drilling his way out. <laughs> yeah, it's getting, getting, <laughs> big yeah, reveal. It was a few times, wasn't it? There was a load of uh, junior football teams sat around me, and uh, quite a few of the dads as well. At least three of them, the second time that happened, went, oh, pardon me. Oh, Charles did that as well. Did he? Oh no, yeah, Charles! Yeah, oh no! 
Cheers, Danny. I mean, you got a laugh out of Isaac, to be fair. I so, did. Yeah, there you go. Was, no, your audience, Charles. Perfect. Exactly, um, exactly. Intention was was spot on there, and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I mention something else, Charles, about the game before yes. we move on? Uh, obviously, Tyree Simpson's little flick and skills on the oh, left. Yeah. Mm. I will. There's a there's a special podcast coming out dedicated to that one moment <laughs> later in the week. So, um, I thought the lab when he came on was very unlab like, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's been like this since he's come back or drifted in and out of injury. I'm not sure he's properly there yet. He didn't give us anywhere near as much as Simpson gave us. Like Simpson, they were terrified of the entire game. I thought he was really on their defence. Again, he was threatening. It was a focal point. It was running everywhere. And I just didn't get that from Louis. And it's very odd to say that about him. I just feel like there's something not quite there yet with him. I'm a bit, little bit concerned that we're losing our lab. I don't, I, I, His powers. Personally, I, I just thing. felt like he wasn't Matt Sharp and fit. Yeah, Pat Sharp. And coming back from injury, I just don't think... I, I, I think that he just needs minutes under his belt. And I think the yes, problem so. is, is that to do that chasing down, because it's not like he wasn't trying to. It was no, just, just didn't the, feel like it was quite his usual self. Exactly. But he felt five yards off the pace, didn't he? Yeah. I, I think that comes down to Matt Sharpness more than anything. He's been injured. First game back. I think it maybe just it's going to take a bit of time. Don't worry about him too much just yet, Danny. Don't don't I'm write worried. him off. It feels like we, we brought our pet back from the pet shop and he's just like sat by the door, <laughs> not wanting to go outside. <laughs> oh dear. Can I can I just give a quick mention to old Jenny Legs? You, you <laughs> certainly can. I mean, it, it's happening earlier and earlier, isn't it? It is happening earlier. <laughs> you know, I was panicked. I was nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Uh, he was all, he was great. I thought I go over. He was great. really well. He wasn't fantastically amazing or anything, but he was solid. You know, he, he picked up some good positions, picked the ball up in some good positions. I thought he was a, a surprisingly unwobbly pair of jelly legs. <laughs> <laughs> the jelly has set. Yes. <laughs> we give him yes. a bit of stick, so he's, he deserves a little bit of kudos there. Yeah, fair play. It's fair like, play. I think it's going to be our defensive version of bringing on Danny Hilton, isn't it? At the end of games, mm. just like there's going to be a certain point in every game that we're winning or drawing that he's going to come on for the last 15, 20 minutes. And if that's, if that's what he's here for, then great. I think he's doing really well. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, that's it for part one. After the break, uh, we'll hear your three word reviews. Welcome back to It's All Cobblers to Me. Okay, we've got lots of other stuff to talk about, but um, before we do, let's just finish off our talk about the wing game with some of your three-word reviews, shall we? Uh, the first one that I wish to draw your attention to is from Mr. Steve Murphy. Um, Steve. Steve Murphy Stevie. has gone uh, incredibly uh, nail on the head, I would say this is. Are you ready for it? Come cool. Drew Waddle. Drew, one or yeah, okay. Yeah, there you yeah, go. That's does what it says on the tin. <laughs> exactly. Ron Seal. Uh, it was more like a match Tim, report than a three word review. It was really. I enjoyed it though. Uh, Tim Head said decent account given. I'd agree with that. Carl Scott point well gained. Ian King evenly matched teams. Uh, Heidi points a point, which indeed it is. Oh, that's uh, close, Heidi. That's close to a four word review. Careful. Oh. There was, and I'd like to say that there was no 
apostrophe either, but hey ho. Yeah, yellow uh, card that, Danny. Know. Yellow card it, Danny. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's no apostrophe that doesn't insinuate those two words. It's more like point to point. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Point is oh, a point. That, that's what that is, though, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can we go um, over to um, <laughs> results about right? Patrick Payne, definite <clears throat> point gained. Uh, a few people saying that it was a point gained. Um, Yeston said frustrating home performance. Maybe it was. I, I think. I, I think it was frustrating in terms of what I said earlier about how it felt like you could tell we'd had a week off, and that typical kind of lethargy about us, and we needed. The I momentum. saw uh, Yeston behind the north stand actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Good. Nice. nice to have a little chat to. Oh, always, always nice. Uh, Tom Foster. Sowerby, so important. Exactly what we were saying beforehand. Um, Idris Scott Wade said, mid-table battle. Neil Graham, we were lucky. Um, very good point, says Mark Church. Bilzy says, was decent game. Um, just about fair, said Stu. Uh, Mark Josiah said, McGowan, absolute warrior. Uh, one yes. man of the match, of course. Yeah, did well. Yeah, did do well. I yeah, very good. Daniel Darwood. Always managing minutes. Does feel like that a bit at the time. So Sam Hoskins was certainly not happy about being subbed at 60 minutes, was he? Ooh, no, he he was fuming. No, I feel like it was it was when Brady has this minutes thing in his head, it's gonna happen whatever happens, isn't it? And it felt like one of those that Sam just expected maybe because we just equalized or they just equalized, it might have been like, Oh, yeah, I better get to stay on to it for a few more minutes here. But I th I feel like it's very stringent when Brady has a plan for yeah. minutes. No, I don't. I don't know of any other manager that that does it quite so, like you say, stringently, Danny. Because I, I don't know. I guess he's been burnt by injuries, though, hasn't he? He has so much yeah. that you, I guess he has to. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, Tom Payne unbeaten in twenty twenty four. True. Good thinking that like that. Um, is twenty twenty four a word? Is that technically a four word? I'd leave it, Danny. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I'm going to ask you this one. Um, Adam Treen is the one that I'm going to pick. We had a couple that were along similar lines here. Um, Adam Treen said, Burge should save. And I'd, I'd like to get your your opinions on that, boys, because obviously it's his first game back from injury. Not that I'm trying to give that as context, as, a, as an excuse for him. I'm just stating it's his first game back. And it seems like some want to instantly almost blame him for the at least the goal, if not for only getting the point. Um, I didn't think there was much he could have done about it, personally. Neil? Uh, I haven't watched the goal back since watching it on Saturday live, so I, I'm not mm. going to be much help. Um, I did think... Not at liberty. <laughs> I thought, well, no, I, th I thought at the time... He'd made a mistake, but I can't get, I'll be honest, I couldn't really see. And I wasn't really sure what had gone on. And I, I called it scrappy, which probably tells you how much I saw. So I don't know. Fair enough. Danny, did you have an opinion on it when you'd seen it back? No, I don't I don't think it was massively to blame. Maybe he comes out a little bit quicker, but the way they worked it and the, the speed that they passed it around and worked it in, I don't think he can 
be massively blamed for that. And I think some people will naturally, as soon as he's come back, he's made a couple of errors before he went away, didn't he? And it in the goalkeeper mm. position, it's so it's so much in the spotlight that, and yeah, with Thompson going the day before as well, is naturally going to be any kind of hesitation is going to be jumped on that. But I, I don't think it was too bad from him. Okay, fair enough. Um, I enjoyed this one from Steve Scott. Tickle in a pickle, but he did put it in <laughs> his one word. So. Mm. Put anyway. in, a, in one, oh no, I'm on one <laughs> yeah, time. Not, I know, I know. Ashley Hardy. Did, said, I enjoyed it though. Defensive effort. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. Yeah, exactly. Outstanding defensive effort. Said Ashley Hardy. Um, yes. Happy with that. Said Gareth uh, Simpson. Keep faith. Says David Wilson. Um, I think we're definitely keeping the faith. I've always had faith um, yeah. there. Um, Hard fought draw. Draw. Sorry, according to Paul Jackson. Um, n- happy to draw. Lee Wade said. Um, and then just before we get to you know who, Chris, um, one other one that is a question mark. Um, Matt Nichol said three reds missed. Um, presuming talking about the referee here. Um, <laughs> I, I disagree with him. I'm not, I, I mean, I wrote on the running order before as a discussion point. Uh, referee inept question mark. Um, obviously the one big, moment I suppose in the game was the the fact that Pinnock basically got kicked um while the number six was on the floor, kicked out of Pinnock and uh the play was uh, well advantage was played essentially, but the ref didn't go back and book him and then what, five minutes later was it? Um he then number the number six goes and brings down um I can't remember who it was now, but basically did another tal- tackle that was then given as a yellow card and yeah, none of us were very happy about that because at that point thing you're is, thinking that should be a second yellow, right? Yeah, it should be. Jake Sharp made a really good point on this. Unusual for Jake Sharp, I know. Um, <laughs> but he did make a, a really good point. Um, but actually, if he's had that first yellow, he doesn't make that second challenge. Yeah. Which is probably true. You know, like, so he's obviously, you, you kind of get, don't you? You get almost one free one to make a stop an attack with a mm-hmm. professional foul and you're booked and then you you know you got it happens to McWilliams all the time, doesn't it? He often gets a book in and then he sort of has to disappear a little bit to part and parcel of his game. Um Yeah. So he probably wouldn't I mean it's a referee mistake, I guess. But I thought overall the referee was all right. No, I, I thought that there were a couple there, there was just that that moment and I, I completely agree with um what what you're saying that Jake Sharp said. But the issue is, is that therefore he doesn't make that challenge the second time and therefore we'd be through and potentially having a chance. And so, you know, regardless of it. Yeah, exactly. So it's so frustrating when that kind of thing happens. And the the annoying thing for me is that it comes back to the, you know, the, the, the new rules that were kind of implemented or the new laws that were implemented at the beginning of the season one of which was that essentially it's always going to be a yellow card if you basically stop uh, an attack, a breakaway by, you know, tripping a player up or whatever it is that you do to to halt that attack that isn't a fair tackle. It's a yellow card full stop. And yet, once again, the referee has deemed it not to be 
Well, it's, it's, it's a scandalous decision, the first one, not to book him because yes. he's, he's, he's gone over and spoken to him. I oh, know it was yeah. probably about two, two and a half minutes later, it felt like. Yeah, it was a while afterwards, wasn't it? Because play did continue for a quite a while. It was as clear as day, a booking. Yeah. And yeah, like, and even to go over and talk to him. I mean, I don't understand in that situation, no. referees sometimes. What are you saying to him? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What are you saying? Well, you fouled him, you know. Should be a yeah. card, watch don't, it. Don't do it again. Yeah, it's like... It's and then he does it again. It's I like, think maybe if... Do you think... I, I think if it play had stopped instantly, I think it was... Pinnock's ball went out to one of our players, didn't he? Um, hence, we mm. kept the ball, so he played on. If it hadn't, then he maybe would have stopped it and he would have got a booking straight away. But that shouldn't <laughs> deter from the fact like it's still a booking. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing, is that he's almost escaped because of the length of time it's taken for him to then be able to go and be spoken to. But... Yeah. Like you say, Neil, what's he speaking? What's he saying to him? Oh, I was, I, I would have booked you if I'd have stopped play. So don't do that again. What, 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 what exactly is he saying? There's no actual um, punishment no. from having a talk to, is it? It's not like you're at school and you've been told off. No, I, I, bit... Matt's point on the, the red cards, I think one of them he was pointing towards their player having McWilliams in a headlock. And, um, I mean, he did have him in a little bit of a headlock, but it wasn't like, it wasn't red card worthy. If you give him red cards for those sort of things, there's too many red cards every game. It's yeah, like, yeah, you can't put a player in a headlock officially, but no, look, you also can't grapple with people in the box, but it happens on every corner and stuff. So I think like there's, there's playing by the letter of the law and then there's playing by the football letter of the law, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Okay, last one on the three-word review, as we do every single week. It's Chris. Ninth stays up. That sounds so good every single time, doesn't it? Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Thank you very much for your three-word reviews. Find us, of course, on X, Twitter, after the game. um, And there is the three-word review thread that goes up on there. Um, Okay, we're going to go back to something that we probably should have talked about last week, but we basically forgot to talk about it. And <laughs> I thought it would like be us. a bit remiss. I know it doesn't sound like us at all, does it? And I thought it'd be a bit remiss of us not to mention it whatsoever. So we're going to talk about uh, the announcement that came out from Tom Cliff that a new fans advisory board is to be created. Uh, the FAB would see representatives of different fans group come together to provide supporters, representatives, director Tom Cliff with their opinions on many different topics. Um, well, for transparency purposes, um, we have been invited to represent you guys, our listeners, and, and especially uh, those of you that are Patreon members. Um, and we're excited to find out more about how it's going to work. So l- let's have a chat then between the three of us about what our thoughts and feelings are on this uh, new initiative. Uh, Danny, first of all, what, what do you make of it? I think it's a really good thing. I think um, really good idea by Tom, um, as usual. Tom's did a great job for the last few years on the panel, um, uh, on the boardroom representing the fans. He does such a great job on match days and away days, talking to as many people as he can. I think this is just a way to make sure as many people get their opinions heard as possible. So I don't know if there's any bad thing about this. There's, you know, It's a way of bringing kind of groups of Cobblers fans together from all different angles, from different like diverse areas of the fan base, um, what could be bad about it is, and you know, from our point of view, it's we can represent our listeners and patrons as much as we can, um, as much as uh, 
all the other groups that have been invited to do it can as well. So I think it's a, it's a great thing. And yeah, looking forward until we've kind of done a first meeting or whatever. I don't think we can fully know how it's going to work, but anything that's going to get as broad a base of the fan base together and as many voices heard as possible is a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think the intention that we have with it is that we're going to be trying as, as much as we can to sort of, you know, take on board what, what is being said to us, especially in our, our Slack group, which our patrons are a part of. I mean, quite often there are, you know, we, we seem to have the conversation about match day experience um, fairly regularly in there. And it's quite clear that, you know, while it's a maybe an easy thing to sort of suggest is that, right, let's go and improve Cars Bar or, you know, something to do with, you know, whether it's a, a drinking establishment at the end of a uh, one of the, the stands, like the North or the South stand or, or Cars Bar, as I said. Um, that isn't something that absolutely every single person in the group is interested in. And, and it becomes quite apparent that, you know, there are more things that matter to people and that it is very diverse as well in what people want from their experience of going to the football. And I, I think that, you know, the, especially for me, the aim will be to try and make sure that we represent those views as much as we we possibly we possibly can, if that's what it is that we're really wanting to be asked, you know, and, and things like that. As Danny says, I, I don't really know exactly how it's going to work until we go to that first meeting, um, which is mm. which is fair enough. Um, no, I think it's important to, for us to go in, or for everybody really in the group as well, to go and hear people who don't agree with you as well or d- disagree and so they can disagree well and to get other people's point of view that you might not have even thought about. Because especially at the forum when we were talking about Cars Bar, I can't remember who it was who started talking about, well, you know, well, not everyone uses Cars Bar. Mm. We uh, we use the, the community pitch. We, we go there pre-matches all about what we go with kids. And it, it automatically opens your mind up to new things. And I think that's a really good thing. If you can go to somewhere and, and sit around a table with people who have completely opposite experience to you and go to the match at different times than you or go with different people than you, then that's a positive as well. Like to be able to hear that and to, to have your mind, to, to be able to think differently about the match experience and to what's best for the whole fan base and not just for for yourself. Because obviously like a lot of the time we think, oh, you know, what would be great for me? Same with anything. And until you speak to people or speak around the table with people that that have very different opinions to you and you can have a good and honest chat about it without having to go at each other on online forums, then you, you don't get anywhere, do you? So I think it's, it's, it should be a really good thing to be involved with. Well, obviously it's not been um, received everywhere as positively as, as myself and Danny have, have just sort of talked about there. Um, Neil, what what do you make of the, I suppose, the arguments against it, um, things being that it's, well, first of all, the elephant in the room is that the supporters' trust haven't been invited. Um, But then also there's the thing of, uh, you know, people have been saying online that, you know, Tom has selected these people to come and join the, the, the fans' advisory board, this shadow board, if you like, um, and they've been selected rather than, uh, you know, by, by him rather than there being a kind of election or, or, or some sort of process and nominations have been put forward and things like that. Um, I think it's fair that we address those, Neil. What, what are your thoughts on, on that? 
Well, firstly, my thoughts, Charles, uh, you've given me the tough end of the stick here, haven't you? Thanks very much. But we'll say that much appreciate you. You went away while me and Danny started talking about this. So I thought, well, this is your punishment. <laughs> I did not go away. There was a little bit of noise in the room, an air dryer, and a few jaws closing. So I had to mute myself. Oh. Oh, it um, did sound like there was a pigeon in there at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Pete. <laughs> Pete the pigeon. PTP, Mark II. Uh, uh, yeah, the elephant in the room is the trust not officially being invited. I can't say that's a surprise for me, the way certain members of, not all of them, but certain members affiliated to the trust have behaved. I think whether it's, football whatever the work environment a lot of good work and a lot of progressive work is built on relationships um look that's how you get things done at work right building a Mm -hmm. positive working relationship with your colleagues and and that sort of thing and stuff so i think there is an importance of challenging but there's also an importance of challenging in the right way and conducting yourself in a right manner so from what i've seen and from some of the stuff that's thrown around Look, it's not, it goes both ways. They get some stick as well. Of course they do. Um, they're in a position where they, they probably need to be able to rise above that. And I, I don't think they've done that consistently. So I think my view is that, you know, they've burnt their bridges a little bit. Um, mm. But that's not that's not to say. I, I think the, the advisory board, it's open to anyone, right? Anyone can apply, but then put themselves forward. Mm-hmm. Um, no reason why, why, you know, they couldn't do that. Um, well, I think, I, I think uh, I, I've seen that argument or I've seen people say things like that. But I think the point has been made, hasn't it, that they have not been invited. And therefore, I, I, I get the feeling that if somebody from the Supporters Trust Board did, put, you know, in, put themselves forward and say, can I come? I think I think the club would say no. Or I think Tom might say no, well, whoever and, it is that makes that decision. And, and they, they may well do. Um, but, but I think that that's stems from the stuff i just mentioned and i think mm. that nobody's saying that that supporters trust shouldn't ask difficult questions shouldn't be there to challenge when they feel challenge is needed and stuff but there's a way of doing that and there's a way of conducting yourself mm. and there's a way of acting and they, they they quite simply haven't done that and they can you know look you can argue to the cows come come home about things like well these are just my personal views and all that that sort of thing and stuff, but you're representing, you know, you're, you know, you're representing a body of who are representing a, a supporters, or the, the supporters of a football team and stuff. So I, I, my view is they've burnt their bridges. It's partly their own fault from how they've behaved. And it's not all of them. Look, some of them do understand as a way of acting and a way of behaving. Um, probably what they don't realise is a lot of the time when some of the stuff they say and, and, and some of the stuff that they the accusations and you know some of the comments that are thrown around and stuff cuts deep probably for the club because there's a lot of hard-working people there um and it, and it's while it might be sometimes seen as just an attack on on kelvin thomas and and david bauer it's actually an attack on you know pretty much everyone at the club because the, the the club are very good at being one team right They're, they've got all got a good professional working relationship so I, I think they've just ruined it essentially for themselves. So they've only really got themselves to blame. So they can, my view, and this is going to sound quite harsh, and you know they'll probably give me a bit of stick for it, maybe. But 
they're not really in any place to cry about it <laughs> because <laughs> kind of what, what do you expect? It's, it's a bit like I, me hmm. at work, sort of the, the bosses at work, you know, like me constantly hammering them and, and, and stuff and constantly, you know, posting things on the instant messages and popping an email around to teams and stuff. So oh, I think they should be giving us more bonus, not paying it enough. And then me <laughs> saying, oh, well, I come to the management meeting. Is that right? Oh, no, yeah. you can't. You've been a moron. Right, so <laughs> yeah, that, that's my view. I think anyway, uh, yeah, go on, I mean, go on, Danny. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of how they approach it as well, isn't it? Like, if if one of the members of the trust were was to say, like, turn around and say, I, I really want to come to this meeting. Um, all this stuff that's gone in the past, we won't ignore it. Uh, sorry for any involvement we've had. I really want to make a difference. We've got some good views on on our trust yeah. and on all that kind of thing. If they if they approach it like that and they and they say. You know, we're passionate Cobblers fans. Let's put, let's have a sit down before the meeting and try and thrash this out. I can either come as myself or I can come on behalf of the trust. Whatever the outcome of that first meeting can be, let's try and build bridges. Let's try and approach things the right way, so to speak. I'm sure the club yeah, won't have 100%. a massive issue with that if they if they suddenly start turning around and, and being, you know, I know stuff has gone wrong in the past. I know this business has been here and and everything, but we want to build the trust closer to the club again. Let's start doing that, and this is a good way to do it. But if they're going to continue going and going and being abusive towards the owner and to Tom Cliff itself, which, like you're right, Neil, it, w- it would cut deep, then it's not going to get anywhere. It's just about the way that they personally, in my opinion, is is how they go about doing it and, and approaching that. And you know, they can apply to be nominated, but I just feel like they won't at this point. It's, it's not just, necessarily, yeah. I actually think that the bigger thing is. Uh, while I agree with everything that you two have just said about you know the way that, you know the way that people are spoken about, and that goes both ways. Yeah, it but does. I I think the I think actually the bigger factor in in this is that the, the supporters trust partnered with a third party that were trying to purchase the land mm-hmm. that the football club was trying to do. So they they instantly became a, a, a competitor right. for that sale. And yeah. I think that is probably the bigger thing for, you know, I'm, I'm sort of trying to take out of the equation the, um, the emotion out of all of this, you know, because obviously, you know, words and, and, and everything like that are quite emotive. Whereas that was, a, that was a business decision made by the supporters' trust to, you know, team up with uh, Sildara and then essentially support Sildara in their bid for the, for the land that the football club the old were, ACV thing as well. Yeah, yeah. The football club, therefore, you know, they're, they're trying to do this because, and whether you believe Kelvin Thomas, David Bauer or not in regards to their intentions for buying it uh, and what will happen with the money afterwards, you know, any profit that's gained, um, you will, the simple fact is, is that the price that the club originally offered, which was under a million quid, then had to be bumped up not once but twice, maybe even three times, to the point where the club are now paying whatever it is, two million or over two million now for for what they were originally offering at nine hundred thousand or something like that. So, from a business point of view, why would the club then want a competitor to come and sit on? something like that 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 is actually i think more where it would you know that's a bigger factor is that if i was yeah. trying to buy a house 
and then somebody came in and tried to buy it from underneath me but weren't didn't have the money themselves to do it so then partnered with somebody else and then you know basically it all ended up that I then had to pay an extra I don't know 50 60,000 pounds to get the house that I wanted I wouldn't then just be happy to go back and work with that group of people again that other that other person again yeah, I think you're right. I think that's to put it into that. That, it. that is how it is. There is going to be a great big bridge that would need building before I think the club would be prepared to allow those uh, to allow that group to then Jack come bridge, back into the fold. Yeah, Jack Bridge. Um, what well, I will so say, I think just one more thing is. on this, if I may, mm. is that I think the accusation that it's hand-picked or whatever is kind of irrelevant it might well be hand-picked and, and chosen but you have got a hell of a diverse capture i would suggest of pretty much all of the support <clears throat> base um you've got ourselves obviously we have thousands of listeners weekly uh hundreds of thousands we? weekly so yeah <laughs> it's quite hundreds of thousands you're doing a very good thousands. job but it's not quite hundreds of thousands hundreds and hundreds of thousands a week <laughs> Sometimes oh, believable at first, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, sometimes but, touching a million is. They yeah. like, oh. <laughs> you've got, um, but you've got the hotel end represented, right? That's a there's a diverse, you know, variety of people on there. Uh, <laughs> my words, then I have to be careful. Um, <laughs> but you've got a lot of different thoughts and views on there so they're going to be represented so you can't sit there and say well they're handpicked it's just going to be it's just going to be you know what do, what do they often say it's just going to be you know club worshippers that are represented well that's not the case at all yeah, we have people that, yeah. we have people in you know on our podcast patron slack channel that have different views but they discuss them and they talk mm. about them in a adult and like normal manner and you know nice go through yeah. Yeah, in a nice way, in a way of doing things. And on the hotel end, you've got a load of different views. Some people, you know, what you'd call pro club, some people sort of on the fence, some people adamantly against the club and, and stuff. So I think whether they're handpicked or not, you've got a whole, I can't remember all of the others that have been invited. Well, obviously, we're going to meet them. But, I, I think the um, point that you're making, though, is that there are so many groups that have been invited that... Captures everyone. It hopefully captures everybody. I mean, I, I will say this, that, look, you know, straight off the bat, we know that not every single Cobblers fan even knows about us, let alone listens to the no. pod every week. We know that because of the listening figures. But at the same time, hundreds of thousands uh, on your ice cream. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, the one thing that, you know, and this, I think, is where the whole, like, you know, you can still apply to basically put yourself forward to to go and represent a, a group of people. It is because there are undoubtedly going to be um, potentially people that are missed that basically don't have the internet, don't have access to the internet. Because bear in mind, it's, you know, you've already mentioned uh, the Hotel End. That's obviously an internet forum. The, there's the Facebook groups. Um, us, you know, we're all internet-based. The travel clubs that is probably one of the ones that really helps in terms of, you know, um, trying to make sure that you're capturing people that aren't necessarily on the internet because the travel clubs, although everybody you know, probably has a website, although I don't know every single one of them do, you know, phone calls to book seats on coaches happen. Um, so hopefully, you're right, hopefully everybody is um, 
covered, I suppose, and accounted for and rep- therefore represented. But I mean, if you don't feel like you're going to be represented, then, you know, it's the opportunity to to therefore put yourself forward. I, I've just had that moment where I've realized that if if you're listening right now and you're thinking, well, I'm not going to be represented. Um, let us know. Let us know because you're listening to us and we're going to try and represent you. But yeah, I, it, it didn't quite work. I, I don't know who I'm actually talking to when I said that spiel, Danny, is basically why I've tied myself in all sorts of knots now. Oh, well, so, I don't know why you're coming for me for that, Charles. You get yourself out of that hole. Oh, thanks, mate. I knew what I, knew, I, no, knew what I was going to get from mean. Neil. I didn't expect it from you as well. <laughs> Go on, Danny. But I know what you mean. It's like, some people might even be listening to this and thinking, I've not heard of the group yet. So it's, you know, hopefully we've yeah. given a little bit of a background to it. And if you do feel like you're you're part of a group or a, or a sort of community within a community of Cobblers fans, then yeah, definitely it'll be good to good to get you on there. Get on there. Brilliant. Yeah. And um, yeah, why not? Do it. Uh, right. We'll take a quick break. Um, I mean, this sounds like the worst point in time to mention the Patreon, so I won't do it. Uh, but you can listen to all of our episodes without the ads somewhere. Um, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to It's All Cobblers to Be. It's been a long time since uh, we asked Statman to Danny to appear on the pod, so it's probably about time he came by and told us all about our new signing, Tony Springit. Spring it. Spring it. So, <laughs> Statman Danny, have you got some stats? Hey, don't give me Statman. We've got Statman Wes for stats. Don't give me Statman. Hey, this isn't the Euros. <laughs> I ain't going anywhere near Statman Wes in terms of level of stat. But, not, um, not yeah, Tony Spring it signed Springit. Monday. Um, so, yes, online from Norwich. He's 21 years old. I feel like he's introducing him on blind date. He's 21 years old. <laughs> Come on down. From London. <laughs> from London. Um, he's been in the Norwich Academy since he was well, since 2014. Ooh. So when he was a wee nipper. I don't know what the maths is on that, but it's, it's very young. He's been on the, uh, come through the Academy of Norwich. Was on loan at Derby last season. Played a few games before we got injured for them. Mainly off the bench from what I can tell. Um then went back to Norwich, obviously, in the summer. He's been in and out of their side this season, mainly off the bench again, making a few appearances in the Championship. It, it feels like it was inevitable that he was going to go out on loan in January. Uh, I had a really good chat, actually, with um, a guy called Sam from the Norwich Pinken, which is on the Patreon right now. That's a new thing I'm trying. So when we sign a new player, I'm going to try and get in touch with someone from the opposite team who are who have sold or loaned us the player so sam from the pink Ooh, i can't yet. wait until we announce a quadruple oh. signing danny oh, i mean it's gonna be carnage yeah, <laughs> yeah. i didn't think of that what's, what's gonna happen on deadline day yeah be all over the place oh, my um, word. so yeah patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me for that chat a good 10 minute chat with sam and just going through what tony will bring i'm gonna call him tony and my first name tony gary spring it oh. tgs tgs TGS, get him in. Um, but yeah, he, look, he looks like he seems like the type of player who's in the Brady mold. He's in the kind of area where John Brady usually gets his sign as a young, athletic, gets up and down the pitch, put, he puts the effort in. Hopefully, is an upgrade on what we had last season at this point in, in DWP, bless him. It's, <laughs> he just didn't seem to connect at all or didn't seem to want to do what John was asking him to do in terms of effort. You were seeing with Tyree Simpson what happens if... Brady gets a tune out of someone. It might take him a couple of games to get used to the speed and the, like what exactly John wants from him. But it's it says to me, you know, 
decent enough signing. I don't know where he starts. I don't know if he starts for us because obviously we've got Hoskins and Pinnock who do a reasonable job on the wings. Mm. It feels like at the start he'll come off the bench and try and make an impact. And it seems like, you know, we'll go we'll go from there. It, it seems like a good move for both parties, Charles. Nice. So, good like, move for both parties. I like a good move um, for both parties. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. it looks the showreel looks positive, and I got in the island under twenty ones as well recently. So, okay. Dear, would you say he's a different op- option? Because I mean, I, I think he's been touted as a winger, which I yeah, don't think we really he, have wingers. No, it's definitely a, a more like direct winger, I'd say, than Pinnock and Hoskins who like to cut inside. He feels like he's more. He'll play off the wing, but he'll go at people rather than cut inside so it's another different kind of option isn't it for late so, in the game and the way we play obviously as well late in the games if we're chasing the game or whatever we're one nil up and we, we have those breaks away that we were talking about earlier if we, we get into that period where we just go gung-ho it feels like a good player to have he's just going to be really direct and get on the ball and start charging at people am i being a bit old-fashioned by saying that if you're going to play with wingers you you need two one on each side but ideally, yeah. <laughs> we're going to well, play with wingers. Well, this is what I mean. I, I don't like think that more... we play. We don't play with wingers. We play with attackers across the front three, really, don't we? And you know, having Hoskins on one side and, and Pinnock on the on the other. Hoskins but... likes to drift inside to to shoot and to and to get a goal. Mm. And you know, Pinnock obviously likes to well likes to do what Pinnock does, which is deliver crosses. But he's in. not a winger. Yeah. He's not a He's not going to take a player on, beat them for pace, and cross it in at the byline. So no, but I think sometimes you need that other option. It's like having a target man right up front. If you're going to do something a little bit different late on, you throw on a target man and lump it up to. Yeah, him. no, I, I, <laughs> I completely get like, where you're coming. I completely get. Charles where you're hates from. the signing, doesn't he? <laughs> no, I don't Charles, hate the signing. I'm asking, I'm asking. Don't we need to go out and get a second one? If it's going to work, another one. Do we not need another winger on the other side? No, because you. Um, you you can play left or right of the, the front three, right? As a as a wide forward. But Is that not going to make you feel a bit lopsided? <laughs> not necessarily, because there's no difference to Hoskins being right forward and spring it left forward, if you will, or left wide man or whatever they call these days. It's a bit more fluid than right four four two. your left wing, your right wing, isn't it? Okay. Okay. I think. I mean, maybe so not. Don't we'll find that. out. So you, so you don't want another <laughs> winger? No. no. I think we have more pressing needs than another winger. Okay. Fair enough. So what I'd really like, Charles, a little, a little not so little, could be a giant if needs be, but uh, a creative <laughs> number 10. Yes. A, a backup crab. A backup crab. crab. Yes. Yeah. As mentioned yeah. previously. Like, yeah. Be, being a bit greedy, I wouldn't mind another striker. Oh, bit greedy. Yeah, like we said last week, Hilton's injured again. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's an upgrade out there if we yeah. can do it, but I, don't, I just don't see it happening. I think no. it's only going to happen if Hilton goes, which I can't see happening. And he's got he's got another year left, hasn't he? Did he get a three-year he... deal? <laughs> oh Am I right? I don't know. Am I wrong? Am I might really? be wrong. In my head, I've got it that it was a three-year deal. I will find out, Charles, while we're talking. Yeah. Thanks that, man. Um... But yeah, totally, totally Sprigget. I enjoyed it. Well, well I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I mean, I must say that I don't really know anything about him. Um, two-year contract. Oh, it was a two-year, so he's out. Oh, um, okay, so... Do a deal, get him gone, get him replaced. Yeah, why Yeah, why not? Um, 
the only the only thing that I really have to go on is my cousin's husband, who is a Norwich <laughs> fan. I asked him for um, what he thought his opinion on Young Spring it, and this is what the reply said: Not bad. Came on as a few as a sub a few times. Nippy. Nippy. That was it. So there nippy. you go. He's been nippy. nippy this week, hasn't it? Ooh. He has been nippy yeah. this week. Crikey. Try being up here. Ooh. Nippy George and Bungle. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Good luck to Tony. Enjoy on, Tony. Help Tony. me, Tony. And by Help the way, me, Tony. can I just can I just say this? Because um, this was this was something that I, I was amazed at. So when Tony signed in our WhatsApp group, we were having a chat, and I think it was you, Neil that said, when was the last time that we had a Tony in the Cobbler squad? And and you straight away mentioned, Neil, Tony Battersby. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Yeah. I mean... Cool. Remember Tony there's, Battersby? There's a forgotten yeah, name. Yeah. yeah, but then, you know, I thought he was the only one I could think of, and I was thinking there's not going to be many Tonys. Danny reeled off about 100. <laughs> he, he did, to be fair. Yeah, no, there's only right. about two or three. And... He kept going. It's brilliant. Ad, Ad- Adcock. Tony Adcock, Adcock. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Tony Witter. Tony Witter. Tony Witter. I yeah. don't. I, no, yeah. No, Tony Witter. Remember Tony, Tony Witter. Witter. No. Poor old Tony Witter Charles. Oh, sorry. Man. When when was he with us? Oh, I'd like yeah, late nineties in the reserves mostly. It's an icon of the reserve team, Charles. An icon of the. You love an icon, but of no, there's the not many. There's not. Pardon. There's, you love an icon from the reserve. Oh, team. I, do. I thought you said I looked like him. I definitely no, don't look like Tony. No, you don't. You definitely don't. <laughs> here. Um, there was another. There's only been like three or four Tonys, which has surprised me. Huh. I'd like to one? think this is our new new approach because because uh, Springit is his middle name's Gary, right? So Tony Gary Springit. That is a very straight to the point name. No messing around with his name. No, you're right. No. Robot Neil's Robot Neil come out for you, Danny? Yeah, I feel like I'm at Sixfields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you sound like a robot Neil. Stop it. Okay, there you go. So Tony Batsby gets a mention on the pod for the first time in five and a half years. Well done, Tony. <laughs> uh, Tony. Uh, before we go, NTFC women were in action on Sunday. Danny, you went along. Oh, good grief. Frustrating. Yeah. Yes. Top of the table clash against Loughborough Lightning, those little pesky Loughborough Lightning on Sunday. Top of the league, there were seven points clear of us going into the game. So it was a bit of a, you know, if we can beat them and get four points behind them, that would have been a great result. But and it, but it just, it was a really even match, really good crowd, cracking atmosphere. And just to be decided on a, the most questionable refereeing decision was so disappointing. It was one of the ways you, you saw Bruno Fernandes against Wigan. It was like that, you know, the player's gone down in slow motion about four seconds after she's been slightly touched and the referee's given it and that's the winning goal. And that just for a game to be like that, to be decided in that manner is just not a good thing. Um, it's such a shame because we've put in a, such a good effort and after the goal, we've, thrown everything at it frantic finish Katie McLean's taking free kicks from about halfway inside their half because uh, she's got such a good kick on her she'd come up from a corner for a corner late on massive scramble in the box we could have potentially had a penalty as well and you know, overall it's just a really good performance Faye Noble Mia Richards in the middle standing out putting some real bite in the midfield and just such a shame that we couldn't get it and it's very rare that we come away with no goals 
but Loughborough's central defence in particular were really good and um, you can tell why they were up there but I, I do feel like it might not be Loughborough at the end of the season like, right. they didn't look like the type of team like Stourbridge did last season that are going to run away with the league like Boldermere are coming on strong now um, they could potentially catch him we don't want that blue lot to catch him at all but no. it feels like they're catchable they're a team that can be beaten I think Boldermere will push them all the way mm. I don't I think it's probably the end of the promotion hopes I guess for us if we had any but at the same time really proud effort where they've gone toe to toe with the top team in the league so fair play to them and a, a good enthusiastic crowd as well and good to see so many people in there and, and lapping it all up so you know dust ourselves down and I think it's a good game next weekend to have the county cup to to get back in the groove again hopefully brilliant is that well? Is that at home? Uh, the county. Cup I believe game? that's at the Fernabell, Yeah, that's at the yeah. Fernabell. Get yourself exactly. down there. Get down there. Go on, have some chips. Beautiful have some chips. chips. Yeah, lovely to spend the afternoon with Gareth and Valerie as ever with with their chips. They do love their chips down there. Gareth chips. And Valerie, best chips in the county, I'd say. Also, shout out to Peter French as well. I spoke to at halftime. Um, big love to you, Peter. Good to see you, and thanks for your for your words at halftime as well. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, that is it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can get more from us, including more podcasts like the League One Lounge, where Danny and I go through the rest of the League One action um, on patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. You can also join our amazing community of cobblers fans on Slack. We're back on Friday with the preview show as Danny is joined by an Oxford United fan. Uh, that will be out on Friday, as I said. For now, though, goodbye. Toodle pips. Goodbye. Whey! There's the cup. There's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages. The Cobblers are going through into Division 1. Bring them on because we deserve it. Podcast Network.